I'm getting older and older, you know, this, this, this hair is getting grayer and grayer and these 30 year old sharp software developers that we're recruiting at some point, they're going to look at me like their dad, as opposed to, you know, some hip, hip recruiter. Right. And I think we were, we always, like I said, we always had that goal of like, Hey, we got it. At some point we're going to have to take another leap of faith and find somebody. Welcome to the Building to Scale podcast, where we bring real entrepreneur stories that showcase the challenges and successes in building and scaling an entrepreneurial business. Our host, Jeff Chastain, is a business transformation coach with Admentis, where he coaches business leaders and their teams with a proven set of principles and tools, helping them gain clarity in and get more of what they want from their business. Make sure to stick around until the end of the show, and we will reveal how you can become our next guest. Hello, everybody. Jeff Chastain here with Building to Scale podcast, again, where I get the opportunity to talk with business leaders, entrepreneurs, and influencers, really, in a variety of different industries, hearing both their stories of challenges and success as they've grown and scaled their business over time. So today with me, I have Mr. Chip Murphy with CDM Technology out of San Diego. Uh, apparently not quite so sunny San Diego today, but uh, <laughs> Chip, welcome to the show, and thank you for taking a few minutes out of your time to join us. You got it, Jeff. Glad to be here. Thanks. So tell us a little bit more, give us a little bit more background about CDM technology, who you are and what you got going on these days. Sure. Yeah. So CDM was uh, spawned by a long-term business partner. Of mine. Uh, we started working together in 2004. Uh, we helped start a company in 2005 with three other people here in San Diego. And we stayed for about seven and a half years. Um, and it got to the point to where I think uh, it was the perfect amount of time to stay. Uh, in addition to, I think we were both were kind of at the age where, you know, some peers around us, people that we respected, people that we looked up to um, and, and traded ideas off of, you know, essentially kind of said to us, hey, look, you guys are, 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 have built a very successful practice of your business. Uh, you have um, grown it exponentially and you make X and the company makes Y and the delta between X and Y is pretty significant. Have you ever thought about going out and doing this on your own? And there were some, some um, extenuating circumstances that kind of made that decision um, maybe a little easier um, to make, but there certainly was a challenge and there certainly was a risk factor of that. Um, and, and in that came CDM technology. And I think the biggest thing for us was we didn't need to reinvent the wheel, right? We're an IT consulting, contracting, recruiting company, right? Our, com our, our, our clients, both new and long-term come to us for resources in the IT field that they otherwise can't find themselves. And whether that's a short-term need, whether that's a nine to 12 to 16 month need, or whether that is, hey, we need to find this person full-time. We've been looking for three months and we can't find them. Um, we'll cover all those bases. Um, and here we are in 2021, there's, there's been a lot of, uh, of bumps and hiccups uh, on the road, but we've certainly grown um, and, and had growing pains, but had a lot of successes. And, and um, like I said, not never look to reinvent the wheel of what we had always done in the past before. Now it makes sense. So were you the 
prototypical kind of entrepreneur of, hey, I'm going to go build a business from from the childhood selling candy bars kind of stuff? Or was this more of an accident <laughs> or how'd you get into this? That is a great question, Jeff. Uh, no, the answer is, is a big fat no. Uh, you know, I, I, I was the product of two uh, teachers growing up. Uh, my mom taught uh, the seventh grade and was a counselor and my dad taught high school economics. And so, you know, maybe I got, I rubbed off a, a little economic stuff from my dad. Um, but I, I think the main uh, sort of entrepreneurial spirit was that seven years working at that company or excuse me, seven and a half. And we, we were basically taught to run our own business. And so when the time came and, and that aforementioned conversation with peers of, Hey, you guys should be doing this on your own. It wasn't that scary to me. And it, it was, it was a giant leap of faith, but yet to us, it was kind of a small leap because it was like, Hey, we don't need to do anything other than what we do. And we can go out and be successful. So to your point, yeah, it did kind of happen by accident. Yeah. Um, these last, you know, since we opened, I call it my, my master's in business uh, because you, you, you learn all the things, but as I said to your producer, it's, it was never something that was insurmountable. It was never something that I didn't feel like we couldn't handle. And my business partner was fantastic in, in, Hey, look, I'll take this chunk of it and you take your chunk of it. And, you know, we'll, we'll intermingle when we need to, but at the end of the day, you do your job, I'll do my job and, and we'll make it work. And, and those, those pieces to my chunk were never, um, it was never the trigonometry problem in high school that just, you know, made your brain go sideways, right? Yep. It was always something that I could either make a phone call to someone that I knew or something I could research and, and do on my own. So yeah, it, it, it worked out quite well. Yeah. And that's what I hear a lot is that it's, it's the, even for those that have a business degree, business college, whatever, it's still like, okay, now you get to the real world of running a business and it's still, okay, where's, where's the practical side of this? And it's, it's a constant learning journey right there every day is to, okay, it's, starting the company small versus now with, with, I don't know that you said how many employees, but still much, much bigger company now. And I think you said three different offices. So it's, it's a constant evolutionary process there as to, okay, what's, what's business going to bring today and what's challenges going to bring today. You're, you're hundred percent correct. It, and it's, it's not unlike, you know, when you're, you're analyzing a 16, 17 year old, right? Like, Oh, he's got real good book smarts or, Hey, he's got real good street smarts. He's going to do just fine. To your point, you could have, two master's degrees in business and a bachelor's in, in, in accounting or, or you know, finance or what have you. If you don't have, you know, sort of those, those people skills, those relationship skills, kind of those, those, those street smarts and you can define street smarts, whoever you want them. That's kind of, that's, that's the bulk of, of, of your knowledge base as an entrepreneur. Yeah. And it, it's one of those that, because I teach a lot of uh, high school kids and stuff in technology side, robotics and things like that. And they kind of look at it and say, well, it's K through 12. Come as soon as I graduate high school, I've, I'm done with this. I'm, I'm done with the learning. It's like, no, you're just getting started here. This is yeah. if you ever stop, then you're then you're left behind. But it's like all this is teaching you is how to learn. It's yeah, I know you probably won't ever need to know the biology lesson or the even the trigonometry lesson like you're talking. But what it's doing is teaching you how to learn because whether you're in a small business or big business, this is life is a constant new learning process here. There's always new things to learn, but especially on the 
the entrepreneurial side, because again, you're, you said your background wasn't business. It's like most of us don't come into this saying, I'm going to go build a business. Most of us have got an idea, a passion, a joy. Hey, we're going to go do this new idea. We're going to solve this problem. And oh, by the way, managing a team of people, managing a structure of a business and things like that come along and you got to figure out how to do that too. It's not just not just your main passion, your main lane when you're at the, the top of the business. I totally agree. And I think I, there's one thing I think you do have to have now that we sit here and talk about it is you have to have the desire to, to take on the challenge, right? It's, 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 you know, it's building that, that kid's playhouse on Christmas Eve, right? When you empty the, the large box and there's a hundred different pieces, you got to look at that thing and go, I'm going to take this thing down tonight. You know, like it, it, you have to have that, that desire and, and not be scared, if you will, of, of the challenge. Cause I, I think the, the guys that, that chicken out are the guys that look at it and go, gosh, I don't know if I could do this, you know? Yeah. Oh, no, I, I agree. And I think that's in some ways almost the the embodiment of the entrepreneurial kind of personality is we're going to go out and solve the world's problems or at least whatever problem we're facing kind of a thing right now. It's, that's that's the what we're diving in for. But where I see that that runs into problems and kind of where your company talk, comes into play that we talked about before is, OK, so you got the early days when the entrepreneurs sitting there focused on their passion, focused on their thing, they're building up their business. But it gets to a point in business, and you guys ran into this with just your your founders there, that, okay, we've got to start building this out beyond just us. We've got to start bringing in other resources that are outside of my expertise. So obviously, with a staffing firm bringing in outside resources kind of thing like that, what have you seen or what have you experienced either way in saying, hey, how do we grow out? How do we hand off things that are not our expertise or just that we have to, honestly, because there's only so many hours in a day? Yeah, that's an awesome question. Um, we we were fortunate enough in, in the first four years of business to experience an extreme amount of growth. And it started to dawn on me uh, in, in a variety of different ways. Like, hey, guy, you got like, you guys are great at what you do. And I'm speaking in the third person, sorry. <laughs> you guys are great at what you do. But at some point, you know, you got to start thinking about growth, right. And getting stuff to, to kind of, you're building a really good name for yourself. You, you, you're doing yourself a disservice by not expanding and not finding ways to, to, to capitalize on that because I'm getting older and older, you know, this, this, this hair is getting grayer and grayer and these 30 year old sharp software developers that we're recruiting at some point, they're going to look at me like, their dad, as opposed to, you know, some hip, hip recruiter. Right. And I think we were, we always, like I said, we always had that goal of like, Hey, we got it. At some point we're going to have to take another leap of faith and, and, and either find somebody. And, and the, the, the second piece to that is you don't know what you don't know. And you have to be fully aware of who you are as a company. And so, in our experience, going out and hiring, you know, those college grads two, three years out of, out of college that are, you know, young and sharp and, and aggressive, whatever you, in our industry, you hire 10 of those people at age, you know, well, not even whatever age, at, at, at a few years out of school, you're lucky to, to bat 200 after six to nine months. And so 
we knew that we didn't have the time. We didn't have the energy to go out and hire 10 of those people to only have a 2% or a 20% success rate at the end of the day. So we had to target people we've either worked with in the past or people we knew of in the industry. Um, and we were fortunate enough to um, have a, a relationship with uh, uh a resource that, you know, we'd worked for the same company. He'd worked in a completely different market for us and we'd always remained good friends. And we were real fortunate um, to bring him on board last year in a time of, of incredible uncertainty, given the pandemic and, and where we were in 2020. Um, I mean, heck, we were applying for PPP loans at that point, right? And here yep. we are, you know, talking about hiring two, three, four people that were going to lead to even more hiring that, you know, today we're over 50. And so we, like I said, we had to target certain individuals and, and so many things have to go right um, in, those, in those hiring processes, right? You're taking one individual who's hugely successful in that market, but a lot of that person's compensation is determined upon uh, their performance, right? And here they are willing to leave something that they're, again, solely not solely, but largely based on performance to then start over and, and basically do it all again. Um, you know, f basically in the kind of the same scenario that we were presented to ourselves way back when, when we started CDM of like, Hey, let's give some ownership um, to an individual and, and let him bet on himself. And so that, that spawned kind of the growth aspect of what we were talking about of, Hey, um, you know, uh, another entrepreneurial leap of faith and growing your business. Um, and there's all wide varieties and we certainly haven't done it hundred percent correct, but um, we're, we're, we're doing okay, you know, today from a business perspective. So what do you see as really kind of those challenges, obviously from your perspective or even from your clients as to why they're, why they're hesitant or struggling to, to delegate and to, to bring on additional resources at that point? Well, I think the good thing for us is that the types of resources that our clients are leaning on us for are sort of recession proof, right? Because whatever it is that you as a company who could be one of our clients is selling, right? Whether it's a product, you know, a widget, a piece of software, a service, what have you, you need technology no matter what, right? Whether it's a necessary evil or, or whether it's just purely based upon your success rate as a company, the types of resources that they can't find themselves, they can't live without as well, right? And so the challenge then becomes finding the really good people for them. Um, and a lot of companies out there right now, as my business partner would tell you, um, they're doing whatever they can to hold on to those employees. And so we've seen some retention strategies, some retention um uh, rates from companies um, is is insane um, in terms of you know what they're doing to keep these people. So that makes our job even harder to recruit those people away to go work for a different company. I hope that yeah. answers your question. Oh, it does. But still, so I'm curious. I, I hadn't ventured down that way with anybody else from a staffing perspective before. What are you seeing from a a recruitment standpoint or from a retention standpoint? Sorry. Uh, on that stand on that front, because a lot of times, a lot of times business leaders will be kind of uh, hesitant really to invest in training and things like that. If I put too much into this player person, whatever they may leave, whereas it 
to me, that's, that's almost counterproductive. It's like, okay, if you, why, why would you want them to be not trained and on your staff rather than trained and on your staff and run the risk to leave? But with that kind of mentality in mind, if I'm pouring all these resources into my team, what are you seeing these days in terms of a, a retention that's causing them to potentially stay there? What, what are, is it, everybody always assumes, hey, they're, they're paying more, so they're, they're going to keep them just based upon salary. Is that what you're seeing? Or are you seeing other things that are potentially more important or different than salary? Yeah. Well, it's, you know, it's funny you say that there's, there's a few different uh, reasons and that there's certainly some, some highlights to that. One is money, right? Money is, is always the, the common denominator in, in helping re- retain employees. The other major one, and, and this has become sort of a cruel irony is that, you know, 16, 18, 24 months ago, my business partner and I were sitting down with long-term clients of ours. Uh, and again, whether they were VPs of technologies or CFO, you know, bean counter types. And these companies that wanted to, you know, hey, we're, we just got this fancy new office space and, you know, we're creating a culture here and a vibe and we want people here, you know, five days a week and we're having all these perks, et cetera. And a, a real common trend in the, in the IT industry was the ability to work from home. And some of our best resources out there were starting to say to us, hey, I, I'll look for a new job. Right, people that we target, people that we knew of, or people that just came to us and had fantastic backgrounds, and and things that we would see them say is, yeah, I'll leave, but I want to work three days remote. Right, I'm just as productive as as I am. Uh, in fact, I'm probably more productive, yeah, out of the office than I am in the office. And we spent so much time you know, just beating this into clients like, hey, start developing an infrastructure to where you can have some remote people. And we try to create all the highlights of reasons why, some of which I'll get to. And here we are in a pandemic that starts in 2020. And all these companies are now, if you hadn't built an infrastructure for remote people, you were forced to. Yeah. And suddenly you had all of these you know, again, BP, finance, what have you, saying, my gosh, we're five, six months into this. We're just as productive as we were before. And I'm not paying 475 a square foot or I am paying it. And gosh, I really wasn't. I hope I wasn't paying it. And so now they're starting to take the strategy of, hey, we're going to, you know, cut our office space in half and we're just going to do half and half, you know, when we do come back. The irony is that all these software folks that wanted to work those three days a week at home, who now got five days a week to work from home and were so productive, but also now have kids going to school at home or have a significant other there at home, they can't wait to get back to the office. <laughs> uh, so, you know, it's a long way of answering your retaining question, but you're, you're starting to see um, that that has become a strategy in and of itself of, hey, either we're good, you can work from home the entire time. We don't care where you are. You could be, you know, we could be a San Diego-based company. You could be in Idaho or, or you know, Mammoth Mountain. Um, or we can also build, you know, another company could say, hey, we're coming back to work. We can't wait. We, you can't wait either, right? So um, again, these are, you just kind of all throw those in one big bowl of, of challenges to, to, yeah. try to, to try to find these resources. And and retaining people again, money's money's probably the biggest one. But now you have all these different factors of the ability to work from home, 
um, or the ability to come into an office, whatever you, whatever those people prefer. So um, it, it's, it's a challenge and it's, it's a big one, but um, you know, it's something we just got to fight through because the, the business is always going to be there. It's going to be there, but it's always going to be changing too. But I like where you're coming at is basically saying, okay, defining what your culture is. Maybe your culture, and say so we talked to, I talked to a software development company here a couple of weeks ago that, yeah, they, they complete work remote. They've, there's never been an office, anything. And that's just their kind of defined persona. It doesn't necessarily say that's wrong or right, but that's just the way they are. And therefore they're going to attract talent that wants that, that's used to working from home saying, hey, I want to work five days from home. I don't want to drive into an office versus they won't necessarily attract the talent that says, hey, I want the water cooler conversations. I want to be right there in the war room with all the, the team, et cetera, there. So it's to me, it's just more a case of defining out what your company is, what your culture is going to be, and hopefully build that such that you attract the right people. And therefore, they're going to want to be there in addition to their their pay rate at that point, because that's a hundred percent. Couldn't agree. And I'll tell you, the smart ones are the ones that are already thinking ahead for two years now and three, three years down the road, because that like, to your point, that'll change. It'll yeah. go back. It'll cycle again. And the smart ones are going to be the ones that have already, you know, either negotiated office space or, um, you know, planned ahead from having certain people in the office, certain people out of the office or what have you. But, but again, the, the, those smart companies out there, the, the, the people that are thinking five, six steps ahead for when the cycle changes again, uh, I think are the ones that are going to be real successful as well. No, that makes sense. And yeah, to your point, I've, I've even seen and interviewed several different businesses here locally, just in the Dallas area that, yeah, they actually, one was another staffing firm for that matter, was had the big downtown office kind of a thing. And once they effectively got forced to work from home, they're sitting there looking at it and saying, why are we paying this much money for big downtown office space when we can do this all remote? But it really depends upon your team. So it's it's going to be an interesting I think probably even in the next three or four months, once things start opening back up again, it's like, okay, are we all going to rush back into the office or is some of this going to stick around? And I, I think it's going to depend on the company by company basis, but it'll be, be interesting to see how things shake out for sure. Yep, absolutely. So talking about future, looking forward, what, what does the future look for for CDM? What are you guys looking at from your plans, growth, scale, et cetera? What's, what's your approach right now? Well, I think, you know, answering your question earlier a little bit about of, of hey, we kind of had to start thinking ahead and, and about hiring. And, and I think this bout of hiring that we went through last year, um, again, you know, I talk about lessons learned. It, it, it wasn't that big of a, it didn't scare us as much as maybe as, as it, it initially thought we did. And so uh, with a, a, a client of ours that is, asking us to fill resources in six different locations nationwide, it's really got us thinking, okay, let's, let's create little, you know, sort of uh, offices for lack of a better way to put it around these locations. Um, but also, you know, understanding the world that we're living in now, you know, pre pandemic, during the pandemic, post pandemic, having that sort of strategy involved, um, and, and then again, you know, to, to, the, to the point I made earlier, my business partner and I aren't getting any younger and we got we to gotta, we gotta invest some time into, you know, some um, at least younger than us hotshots that, uh, that want to get in this business and realize that this business can be, um, can be fun. You know, the, the staffing 
world can kind of carry a, a recruiting world can carry, carry a stigma in, in certain um, instances. Um, I think it's pretty easy to get a recruiting job um, or a, you know, business development job within the recruiting industry. And, and San Diego is kind of a, a, a fickle town in the sense we get a lot of people that move, you know, from cold weather cities into San Diego, right. Cause they want to live in the weather. Um, a lot of them aren't, um, long-term residents though, right. They're, you know, 22, 23, 24 years old, post-college, they move to San Diego. They want to live at the beach, but they realize for, you know, whatever reason, maybe it's too expensive. Maybe it's too far away from home and family that they can't, they can't live here full time and, and they end up moving back. But the point I'm trying to make is it's easy to get a recruiting job. And if you push square pegs through round holes with clients, you can get a bad name, right? You know, you, yep. you come, company A has a need. Hey, I got a guy looks great on paper. I'm going to, you know, just shove that person. And, you know, six months down the road, that person's not there at that company more. And, you know, Hey, we just paid this fee to have this person here. And, you know, you can see how it can kind of, kind of spiral out of control. We need to, hire some more, some folks and spend some time with them and realize, like I said to my point earlier, that this is a business that it's a relationship driven business and there's a right way to do it. And there's a wrong way to do it. And my business partner and I, ever since we started working together, have always focused on the right way to do it. And we want to find other folks um, out there that, that, that want to be in that business and make a good name for themselves in the, in the, not only in the immediate space, but in the community as well. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, so I think that's, that's, that's the goal for us is um, finding more like-minded individuals that, that we can spend time with and train um, and take that leap of faith on um, and, and keep growing our business and keep doing what we're doing. We don't, we're not, we know who we are, right? I always said that. I think I said that earlier it was we're not trying to be anybody that, that we're, that we're certainly um, not, uh, uh, you know, we're, we're not these, you know, groundbreaking entrepreneurs that are, you know, going to try to go out and start 50 offices and whatever. That's not us. We're, we're not doing it, but, but there is a place for us. There is a boutique, oh, yeah. there's a boutique style uh, for what we do. And, and that's always kind of been our mentality. And, and we're trying to find certain in, individuals and, and certain resources out there that, that, that want to share that vision with us and share that, that kind of passion for, for people. No, that makes a lot of sense. And yeah, it's, you don't necessarily, like I said, don't have to follow the path of everybody else, but still the, the boutique model, and especially, at least in my mind, I've never been in staffing, but working with companies that are using staffing kind of a thing that, yeah, there's, there's a, there's a culture involved in that yourself. It's like, okay, I'm going to, I like this staffing firm because of the way they work, because they interact, because of the candidates they bring over staffing firm XYZ over here, kind of a thing there. So I, I get that for sure. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting business. It's, it's um, there's a lot of, of HR professionals out there that, that quite frankly, can't stand a lot of staffing people. Um, and I get it, but you know what, that, that probably exists in every, in every discipline, right? I'm sure there's doctors out there that can't stand certain medical device salespeople or pharmaceutical people, et cetera. And you kind of have to battle those internal things. But if there's anything I've learned not only being in the business that I'm in, but, but owning the business that I'm in is if, if you do it the right way and you're consistent with your approach and doing it the right way, people tend to talk and, and word kind of travels that, Hey, these are, these are two really good guys and the people that work for them are really good people and they're going to do it the right way. 
you know, they're, they're going to own up to when they screw up. Um, and they're not going to over, you know, uh, dramatize their success. Um, they just kind of, like I said, they just kind of do it the right way. And that's what we're trying to do. No, that makes sense. So always like to kind of come around and wrap things up at the end, just kind of looking at your journey over the last, uh, what did you say, seven something years with CDM and several companies before then, what is kind of that uh, best tip, best strategy, something to say that, hey, if I had just known this or just tried this earlier without some of the struggle, some of the bumps that you talked about, what, what would that come to mind? Anything come to mind there? Totally. And it, it's a couple things, um, but I won't, I won't bore you with the, the little details. One is read. And I don't care what you read. If it's, if it's, if it's something that makes you laugh, if it's something that you're interested in, if it's a hobby, uh, just find books and, and read every successful person I've known in my life, whether they're a degree or three degrees separate from me, they read a book. Um, or, or, or magazines, right? I mean, I got two kids. I don't have time to, to, to constantly read a book, but I'll read a, I can't wait to read a Rolling Stone article about the GameStop situation that's going on in the stock market right now. So that's one. And I think it's a major one. And, and the other, the other one, and I'll leave all the other little ones aside is something I, I said earlier is, is don't be afraid. It's, this is not an insurmountable climb. This is not um, a, a wall, you know, rock climbing with, with no experience. Like every little challenge that you're going to face, it's, 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 it's doable. It's, it's find a resource that you've got, make, make friends with uh, somebody who's a really good accountant or a really good lawyer or um you know, a really good business person and use those people and develop those relationships and take them out to lunch every once in a while and grab a cup of coffee with them. Go take them for a beer, whatever it is that you like to do, but keep those relationships healthy because those people help you. And you'll find that those people will start calling you or those people will start asking your advice somewhere down the road. Um, And those are some of the best relationships I've had. And some of the, um, quite frankly, where we are today as a business is, is I'm just not afraid of, of very much anymore from a decision-making standpoint, because I've, I've got the resources there to help me. Yeah, no, that, that makes a lot of sense. And it really does come down to having those resources, being able to count on them. And to me, it's while you've got the big long-term plans, you got to be able to break it down and look at it closer. And once you kind of get that closer view of it, say, Hey, here's, here's what we need to accomplish this next quarter or this next year, yeah, it's, it's much more manageable at that point. Whereas most of the people I see kind of freeze are looking at the, the overall big picture and saying, okay, yeah, how in the world are we ever going to get this done? It's like, what's, what's the adage of, of how do you eat an elephant? It's one bite at a time. It's like, you, That's you right. can do practically anything. <laughs> Fork there. and a knife. <laughs> yeah. One, one bite at a time, one piece at a time kind of a thing. There yeah. you can, but, so I like that. Yeah. Well, all right. I appreciate the time and the, the expertise here. Um, if our listeners want to get more information about you or want to learn more about CDM, where's the, where's the best resource for them to head to? Totally. Um, CDMtechnology.com. Um, and if anybody has any questions, they can certainly reach out uh, info at CDMtechnology.com. Um, and we'll be more than happy to answer the questions. I'm, I'm happy to, if there's a young entrepreneur out there who just wants to bounce stuff off of, like I said, I'm, I'm, I've got those people in my life and I'm happy to be that person for someone in their life. No, great. Yeah. And it's always, 
always good. That's, that's what we're always looking at. It's like, it doesn't matter how much of an expert you are or don't feel like you are. There's always somebody a couple of steps behind you that can, can learn something from you. So great to always have that mentality. Yep, absolutely. And there's always, there's always someone who's three steps smarter than you as well. Yep. Yep. So I appreciate the time again and appreciate the discussion there. You got it, Jeff. Have a good day, man. Thanks again. You too. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Building to Scale podcast. If you would like to share your entrepreneurial business growth story, please visit buildingtoscale.com slash guest. If you got something out of this interview, would you do both us and our guest a favor and share it on your social media accounts? Don't forget to hit subscribe in your player so that you don't miss any future episodes and make sure to reach out to Jeff Chastain on any of the major social media networks or check us out at admentis.com.